We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helpin. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday, October 27th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, Derek Van Riper and I are here again uh, Friday afternoon. We're recording about 4.30 Eastern. We're going to talk about news, notes, injuries, all that. Um, quick review of last night, Derek. Are we now on the Alex Collins bandwagon, firmly, officially? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the, the context would be how good is he going to be if he's not scoring touchdowns? Like it, it, he's going to be dependent upon the Ravens not getting beat. And I trust them at home, but I don't really trust them at all on the road. And whether it's Flacco or Mallet going forward, it just doesn't make a difference anymore. Right. I mean, Flacco was playing pretty well before he took that hit from Kiko Alonso, but he's still pacing out for like 204 yards. And that's about as good as it's going to get from their passing game right now. So with Alex Collins, it's like, great. Like they have to have this game script where they're winning to get both he and Terrence West mid double digit carries. If they only run the ball 20 times as a team, what do they get? 10 each? Well, Terrence West is going to be, I mean, forget that though. When Terrence West gets back at at this point, don't they go, you know, Terrence, thanks a lot. Why don't you sit over here uh, until, uh, until the other guy gets hurt or or needs a break. 
I hope that's that's where they're at. I guess last night it was what Buck Allen instead, but right. um, but he catches <laughs> passes too, right? I get it, yeah. But I don't know. That's yeah. Terrence West is certainly the he's the odd man out, probably. But yeah, like they they seem content to split the role between Collins and Allen right now too. So it it can get worse with the third guy coming back potentially, and. I love that he's getting six yards of carry. I just want him to score. Why can't yeah. he score? I know. And they gave the ball to Allen late at the one-yard line. And he fumbled into the end zone. They got a touchdown out of it. Um, and they gave – I thought they were giving it to him one time. Oh, another time. And he got stopped. I'm not sure about that one, though. I was watching some of um, The thing with Collins here, seven games, only one, only one of them has he been under 4.6 per carry. And, yeah. and the thing is, a few weeks ago, he had the short leash because of the fumbles. Because Harbaugh was basically saying, you know, he fumbles one more time, he's going to sit. But now we're way past, we're four weeks past that now. So his leash has gotten progressively longer. 32% owned on Yahoo. And get this, weeks 15, 16, at Cleveland and home for Indy. So maybe that's where the appeal is. Mm -hmm. You know, you can keep him around, play him when you have to, and then get excited about him as your RB2 or as your flex in the fantasy uh, semifinals and, and championship week if you make it there. Yeah. Tony Romo was a little bit excited about Alex Collins last night, by the way. Holy moly. <laughs> he was called, that's, that's what we're going to call the Irish dancer. We're going to call him the Irish dancer. It was just oh, great. That is, that is almost as bad as muscle hamster. <laughs> it, was ex- it was excellent. Look at this guy. It's great. And did you see the part where the cat was on the field? I saw the clips of it. Yeah. I tried to watch as little of that game as possible. I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to pretend like I was excited about that game last night. I wasn't either. I was watching when Flacco almost got decapitated. That wasn't good. So, so. a hit like that is just—it's just like the science of football. Like there, I, I don't really know what people want Kiko Alonso to do in that situation. Like people that thought that was a dirty hit. It was. It was vicious. It was bad. Yeah. I don't want to see guys having their helmets fly off, suffering brain injuries and walking off the field bloody. But where, like what did Kiko Alonso actually do wrong? Like he, he started to make that tackle as Flacco went into his slide. There's not enough time. I didn't know if he could have held up. I thought he could have, but I, you're not the only one I've heard take that, uh, have that perspective today. I, I mean, I I have no rooting interest in either team or anything like that. It it doesn't, doesn't really impact me at all. I, I just, I don't know. I think there are certain plays that happen on a football field that are just going to be extremely violent no matter what you do, no matter what precautionary steps you take to protect players. Bad things are still going to happen to players sometimes based on how football works. Right. All right. Well, Ravens fans, you can send your hate tweets to at Derek Van Riper. Um, don't send them to me. I'm at Halpin 37 You can also catch us at Rotowire and get the news feed at Rotowire NFL. Um, and we're on Facebook. Lots of Facebook Q&As over the course of the week, including Tim Heaney at noon Eastern on Sunday. Um, let's get into some of the news. Uh, bye weeks. We got six buys. Cardinals, Packers, Jags, Rams, Giants, Titans. Um, not a lot of quarterbacks. We're not hurting on quarterbacks here. We're hurting on Aaron Rodgers already. Otherwise, the worst quarterback now playing is Marcus Mariota. So that's not too bad. The- yeah, I think the problem with the bye weeks this week is it's seen more at the other positions, but I think it's because it's a smaller slate with three fewer games and a lot of matchups that you look at and you kind of just see a clear difference between the teams that are matching up. Not gaudy lines, but, you know, I, I don't know. Things just kind of fell in a way like Saints-Bears, right? 
half of that game looks kind of useless. You don't you don't look at the Bears as a team that even when they have to throw, that they're going to go in there and throw it effectively right. against the Saints. So that so that's kind of a, a lost team. San Francisco going up against Philly. It's the same kind of thing. It's like, all right, well, ordinarily going up against a team that can score a lot, maybe you get garbage time. You don't really trust them to get their garbage time. And it, it kind of breaks that way in a lot of different parts of the slate. Um, the Sunday morning game, early, early game in London, the Vikings Browns, you know, you want to pick on the Browns defense, but in the main DFS slates, you can't because that game's not included. So it's just a few wrinkles like that, that when you add them all together, it makes this kind of a goofy slate from especially a DFS perspective, a little bit from season long, but really more so from DFS. Yeah, it, it is a goofy slate. I mean, you're looking at the, I'm looking at my rankings at running back. I'll give you, okay, so 24, we, we basically say, you know, 24 is the end of your, you know, most people, the, the average league is 12 teams, so 24 is the end of your RB2s. RB24 is Matt Forte for me. Wide receiver 24 is Marvin Jones. Hmm. So that's a goofy week. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I feel a lot better about Marvin Jones than Matt Forte by comparison. Um, but yeah, I mean, the highest scoring teams based on the implied totals, the Eagles at 29 and a half, the Saints at 28 and a quarter, the Patriots at 27 and three quarters, and then the Bengals and Cowboys are the other two teams above 26. Yep. It's um, not not a terrible week, but just it, it's teams that you you wouldn't expect. And in that Bengals game, you, you might like a lot of players in there. But how do you how do you decide which ones to hone in on behind A.J. Green? Like if he doesn't do it all himself, is it Croft? Is it one of the other running backs behind Joe Mixon? Is it even Mixon at all? Like I, I think finding secondary value with the Bengals is tricky. Finding secondary value with the Cowboys is tricky as one of the higher scoring teams. It's a little tough with Seattle right now, too, because their backfield is such a mess and they're implied to put up 25 and change. I mean, that puts them sixth on on the slate. So we should have a lot of interest in the Seahawks. But where the heck are they going to score 25 plus points? Right. I know that's not that that's that's unusual, certainly. Um, I also what was the other one I was going to look actually we're talking about the Bengals. So do you think Mixon is it a squeaky wheel gets the gets more work or do you think his coaches are mad at him or you just think it's more of the same? I hope Marvin Lewis is the kind of person that when, when something needs a little WD 40, he just gets the can out and takes care of it. But if the hinges in Marvin Lewis's house are all like really loud and squeaky, every time he opens a door, <laughs> Joe Mixon is screwed. Like it, the comments he made, this week, we had a, an audio clip from Marvin Lewis on the XM show, and it, it was so vague. It was like, oh, well, he had a good week of practice, and he got hit a little bit. And I thought, it's week eight. Like, he's been the starter, it seems like, for the last four weeks. Got the starter's workload in three of those four games, and then just tailed off last week for some reason. He just made it sound like things were still kind of in the, the preseason training camp mode for Mixon. Right. I don't know if that was just the way he was talking to the media or what that was. It just left me with this weird feeling that Mixon, for as great as this matchup is, and for as much volume as he's getting the three games before the seven carry dud last week against the Steelers, I'm gun shy about having too many shares of him in DFS, even though I like him. He went from a guy that I wanted to have in 
every lineup on every site as I started to build my primary lineups to a guy that I wanted like one, maybe two places at right. most. Okay. Speaking of lineups, we're in on Fanball this week again. Um, everybody, fanball.com slash rotowire. If you beat Derek, me, Tim Heaney, and Vlad Sadler, you it, it hit a $5 double up. You get an extra $5. Now, the, kick, the kicker last week was that Vlad finished fourth out of 114, so only the three people who beat him got the extra five, which is mm-hmm. a pretty, you know, playing against that guy. I, mean, I brought up the rear after talking trash to Heaney, so that was not good. But I'm ready. See, the thing is, I look at this lineup, the, the, the fanball pricing, I'm still getting used to the fanball pricing, and I'm looking at it going, wow, my lineup's awesome. But is, uh, is your tendency with the fanball pricing to pay up more at running back or receiver or quarterback? Is there any one position you find week to week where you're a little more aggressive in, in allocating a, a bigger chunk of your budget? I think it's running back. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I have Le'Veon, McCoy, and and I actually have Antonio. I know it's a double up on Steelers, but I, I have two of them. Okay, because my first draft, similar, uh, no no Antonio Brown for me. It was Le'Veon uh, and, and Zeke at 87, 8,500, and yeah. then McCoy as the flex. Uh, it, it left me with you know light receivers, I guess, but I, I felt like there were plenty of cheaper receivers with matchups I'd like to go ahead and, and kind of take that chance. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I am getting used to that. But anyway, um, fanball.com slash rotowire. Come on in and play us. Double up, $5 double up, and if you beat all four of us um, – and Vlad's the, the hard one to beat. But if you beat all four of us, you get uh, so you win 10 instead of five. That's a pretty good deal. So check it out. All right, let's get into injuries. Um, the out, um, the Bucks, all the Bucks corners, all of them, everybody. I think Rondé Barber's playing for the Bucks. Um, Kenny Galladay's out. Miles Garrett's out for the Browns. Now, I thought the Browns might be able to keep that close. That's a killer. And, and they've got Jason McCourty doubtful. Um, is that going to be a Sunday morning snooze fest that's going to be in 27 to 3? Yeah, go out for Chila Quiles. Don't, don't worry about that game. Yeah, that's too bad. I actually thought they were going to keep it, make it a game. I keep rooting for the Browns to win. Um, but, oh well. All right, so uh, the, those Bucks corners I mentioned, that's, the, that's got Panthers uh, offense written all over it right there. Funchess and Benjamin are, are in a sweet spot. Yeah, so I think the implied total is too low on the Panthers because the Bucks have had trouble anyway. Yeah. And you take pieces away, it makes things even harder for them. We know Cam's been up and down. You watch the Panthers very closely. I mean, Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funchess are both pretty interesting. It's kind of a skinny tree right now, the Panthers in the passing game. They haven't run it particularly well. So maybe McCaffrey gets his in the passing game again. But you could see Cam having one of those GPP winning type performances this week. Uh, even if those two if those two starting corners were out there with both of them out, I mean that could be open season for those wideouts. Yeah, it's a it's a nightmare for the nightmare scenario for the Bucks there. I think it could be a shootout. There. Well, I see the thing is it the Panthers defense has been playing well, but I still think I see a shootout there somehow. Like I, I don't it, because of the injuries, it looks like it should be easy, but the Panthers are also, they're still hurting on the line and Khalil it looks like Keekley's going to play. Ryan Khalil's probably not. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I think some people around here are getting a little too excited. Um, Stefan Diggs sounds like he's going to play Sunday morning. Do you, do you roll with the guy like Diggs first game back considering where, I mean, he practiced all week. 
Are, are you ready to roll? If you have him, are you excited? Or are you kind of like, hmm, I don't know. I wish I didn't have to start him right away. After a two-week layoff and having the bye in week nine, I don't think they would fly him to London if they weren't pretty confident that he's healed. To play the Browns. To play the Browns, a team they could beat without him. Right. So if he's active, I'm playing him. I mean, I just think it's maybe I'm going too far. Maybe I'm thinking it through more than than Mike Zimmer has thought it through. Maybe the extra week off plus the bye going four straight weeks without playing would be the best long term call. But that's a that's a big road trip to bring a guy back for. Right. So yeah, if he's active, I feel okay about it. Um, I mean, I'd put him probably top 30, top 35 at the the wide receiver position this week, given the possibility they get up big, they're running the ball a lot, given the possibility they ease him back in if he is active. But the Browns are are so much weaker against the pass than they are against the run anyway. Yep. All it takes for Diggs or Thielen or Rudolph to make value is just that one big play. And we know Diggs is one of the guys that when they throw downfield, he's the guy they throw to. That's right. Um, other questionables or game time decisions. It sounds like Josh Norman's going to go, which is good for the Skins. Um, not great for Des Bryant. Uh, sounds like Golden Tate's going to go for the Lions, which is great, um, which is a little bit earlier than expected. And um, the other one for the Panthers, Graham Gano is questionable for the Panthers. So you know what the story is here, the story of the weekend. Oh, yeah, Roberto Aguayo. The Roberto Aguayo revenge game. How could you not be excited for that? <laughs> I mean, if you're... <laughs> If you're the Bucks, I mean, he, his teammates were just his former teammates were all over him when they let him go. Like he he was brutal. And Bucks fans, I mean, if you're if you're one, you want to get mad as a Bucks fan. Think about where they drafted Roberto Aguayo, and they and, traded up for him. Yeah, traded up where they drafted him, and then what they got from him. Mm, brutal. Not good. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, he's on the Panthers practice squad. If Gano can't go, Aguayo will kick. So if, you, if you're in league with kickers and you have Graham Gano, be careful. Make Ugh. sure he's active. I hate anymore. that. I know. I, I'm not like full Jake Seeley about it with the get rid of the kickers thing. I am. But I do think when you have to shuffle your roster last minute because of a kicker injury, that's probably one of the worst, most annoying, frustrating things you have to do as a fantasy player. So, like, I get really annoyed by that. And, but what I would do because I'm late, because I hate kickers and I basically feel like no matter what I do, I have no idea what the kicker's going to do. If I had Graham Gano right now, I wouldn't wait till Sunday morning. I would just cut him and get another kicker right now. Just so I didn't have to think about it on Sunday. And yeah. that's lazy, but I just like, I don't know. Maybe the, the kicker I pick up could get three field goals. How the heck do I know? Yeah, that, that's fair. I mean, I, 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 I don't want to sweat it. I mean, if, if, if the possibility is like a kicker can have a setback, like that does happen. Yeah. Every once in a while, they, they strain something in warm ups or even on a kickoff play or something like that. And then you're just, you're screwed. You're taking a donut. Brutal. Um, the last guy I want to mention, John Ross for the Bengals. He is off the injury report, so might play. I don't think he, he would be your playing against Indy, he would be your DFS tournament guy, right? He would be your your home run hitter jackpot play, who's probably I don't have it in front of me. He's probably very cheap. Yeah, I think so. I think All that's right. a. I mean, that, that, that's your under one percent and very cheap and doesn't need a lot of targets. What could go right? GPP yeah. call like that's that's about where he is. So 
that is not an endorsement. That is a, hey, this guy's really fast. He's going up against really bad defense. You never know. He's the poor man's Deshaun Watson. That's what he is. Deshaun Jackson, sorry. Um, speaking of Deshaun Watson, he's one of the guys I want to watch this weekend. Because Pete, I feel like he's been the subject of a lot of start-sit questions that I've seen this week. Because he's playing at Seattle. And I think this is, this is where we find out if Deshaun Watson is essentially matchup proof for fantasy football, for season-long fantasy football. Because the running ability, it, no matter how good the Seattle pass defense can be, the running skills just, you know, they kind of override that if they're good enough, right? I mean, if he, I, I'm, I am not talking people out of Deshaun Watson this week. Are you? No, I haven't had a ton of quarterback lineup questions yet. So maybe I'll get lucky and several more will come in before kickoff on Sunday. But going back to the week three game, I think that's about the time people started to say, hey, this guy is really good. You know, the 300 yards and the two TDs, 41 rushing yards against the Patriots. I remember going into week four talking to you, I think on that Monday and saying they have three in a row at home. They have Tennessee, they have Kansas City and they have Cleveland. That is a great stretch, and he did. He went more than just you know making the layup from a matchup standpoint. He crushed it. I mean, he did twelve passing TDs and one rushing score during that span right. of those home games. But things are going to be much more difficult for him as we move through the second half of the season. The week eight road trip this week to Seattle, week ten against the Rams on the road, I think is a, a pretty decent test too. He gets Baltimore in week 12 at Baltimore. He gets Jacksonville in week 15 in Duval. I mean, so there's going to be a series of difficult decisions that Deshaun Watson owners have to make even after this week. And I think you're right. If he comes in and holds his own and plays well, then people are going to have a ton of confidence rolling into those tougher matchups later. But if he falls on his face, they're going to have to go through the same process. And I say they, cause I don't have them anywhere. Same process of trying to decide whether or not you trust him more than your alternative in those matchups that I mentioned. Okay. Um, another guy I want to watch this week is, is what happens with Amari Cooper? Because last week he was on a lot of benches and he blew up and he got targeted 19 times, which is insane. And, and, and you could argue, you could look at it and say, all right, they finally made the decision. They're just going to get this guy the ball. They're going to feed him. Um, they're going into a hostile environment, you know, a tough, a tough defense on the road traveling across the country. Uh, if you have Amari Cooper, you're certainly playing him. But, but it, if Amari Cooper comes out of this game with a two for 19, what the hell do you do? Yeah, you probably end up back in that that same position you were in going into week seven where you're kind of like, I don't get it. Why is this guy so bad? The Buffalo corners have been better than I expected overall this year. And the matchup you worry about the most for them is going to be, you know, the bigger six, three, six, four type number one receivers. And Cooper's not quite that big. He's you know, even six feet. Uh, so physically he's not as much of a mismatch for Buffalo secondary as some of the other number one receivers they could come across. I am looking at that game as one where, you know, there's no rain in the forecast. It's supposed to be cold, but not too windy. And there's a lot of rain league wide. So passing numbers around the league uh, throughout most of the Northeast could take a hit this week, depending on how heavy that rain really is with that. 
I kind of like the Raiders as one of the handful of road teams that could exceed expectations this week. The Bills have nine picks. They've done a great job forcing turnovers. They have held opposing teams to just five passing scores so far. But yardage-wise, they're pretty close to average. Seven yards per attempt, uh, 258 yards per game. So I think a good passing attack, and that's what the Raiders are to me, they're a good passing attack, can break them down and can do well. And I think the thing that I, I like about this game for the Raiders is that their defense has been struggling. They're giving up 8.2 yards per attempt themselves. 10 passing TDs, no picks. Opposing passers have a 109 passer rating against the Raiders. Mm-hmm. So this could be a shootout kind of like the, the Bucks bills game last week. And I think that bodes extremely well for both Cooper, but also Michael Crabtree in a week where the Raiders, you know, if they can't run it effectively with Jalen Richard and Deandre Washington, they're going to have to rely more heavily on Carr. and Carr showed us last week in that Thursday game against the chiefs. He seems to be close to hundred percent healthy or maybe even is hundred percent now, but he looked more like Derek Carr in his second game back. They did in that first one. Um, which, which running back, which, which one do you go with? I think my, my gut call, and that's all it can be based on the way these two guys seem so interchangeable is Richard. You know, I think it's because he's shown us a few, a few bursts over the last season and a half, almost six yards per carry last year, four and a half yards per carry this season. Uh, you know, that, that sort of top end speed that he brings, it's not like Washington is slow. He's not like, it's just, I, I think it's because I've seen, I've seen the big plays from Richard at times that I didn't expect it. I feel a little more optimistic about him, but there, there's so little that separates those two players. I mean, seven carries of 20 or more yards last year for Deandre Washington on 87 attempts. That's incredible. Yep. So, um, yeah, my guts the other way. So good luck, everybody. <laughs> my guts. I, I mean, I, I wish I, I wish I had a, I wish I had a good reason. Like Richard has six carries of 20 or more yards. Washington has seven. So they, they both made some big plays. I think Richard's had some 40 yarders that that's, that's what I'm talking about. Those extra, extra long plays. They just stick with you, even if they shouldn't. They do. So I could see them splitting snaps and touches right down the middle. Yeah. And I honestly don't know if there's even any any particular reason to think that one is clearly better than the other as like a goal line back or as a pass catcher. They seem very similar in skill set. I have Washington at RB23 and Richard at RB26. So, yeah. There you go. I'm, I'm with you. All right. Um. You think Tyreek Hill takes gets his normal production, gets his work done against the Broncos secondary? Played really well against them about a year ago, right? That Sunday night game against Denver when yes. Andy Reid had kind of schemed up some special plays for him. I just think when, when we're talking about the small, fast receivers like Hill, it makes things more difficult for the big physical corners. Right. And that's, that's how Denver wants to play. And I, I just think that's... That's a, it's almost a mismatch for Denver's defense in a lot of ways. So I feel pretty good about Hill. I mean, do you have any leagues at all where you can actually sit him down because you have good enough no. depth? No, no, no. And I, I probably, yeah, I'm with you. I wouldn't. In, even in this case, because he's a different kind of guy, like you said, especially, you know, matched up against the big corners is an interesting thing. And, and it's not, he, I, I think he's, he's such not a typical receiver that the matchup stuff doesn't, scare me as much if that yeah. it, maybe that's not explained very well 
<laughs> well, no, like, like Tyreek Hill, I, I worry about Amari Cooper against Denver because he's a prototypical wide receiver. Tyreek Hill is not a prototypical receiver. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm rolling with him. Um, the other guy I want to, Deion Lewis. I, I want to see if this is, I mean, last week it, it looked like it was for real because it was the second week in a row where he got a decent workload. The only weird thing, because last two weeks he's got 11 and 13 carries. The weird thing there, two things. One, he's not catching any passes, which we thought was a skill set of his, and it was, and now they're just not doing it with him anymore because they want to throw to White instead. And the second thing is the snap count the last two weeks, 29 and 26. That's that's just a crowded place. I mean, you look at that team and you think, you know, if if a guy in in a backfield has a chance of scoring a touchdown, the Patriots are a pretty good place to do it. And but Gillisley, Gillisley might do it, but he only had, what, 13 snaps last week or something? Um, White was on the field for around the same as Lewis. Burkhead was back a little bit. And it's like, you know, how, what, your margin for error is small if you're on the field for 26 snaps. Yeah, it is. I mean, if that backfield's a pizza, it's one pizza for four players, which is obnoxious. Bilicek should just buy a second pizza and run the ball more. It's like half the pizza goes to Lewis. The other half gets split into varying size pieces between Gillisley white and now Burkhead. Right. So, and, and that's, that's a team that it's like a 12 inch pizza instead of the prop 20 inch giant pizza that you want, like the New York style pizza. So it's really a, it's kind of a mess. I mean, I think with Lewis 15 touches any given weeks, kind of the high end of what you can get. Uh, he's getting red zone carries. Yep. That's, that's the tricky thing with him that I didn't see coming. I thought he'd catch a few more passes, but really not get a lot of chances inside the 20. He's had a carry inside the five in each of the last two games, a total of seven carries inside the red zone going back through week four. Yep. Um, the, I'm trying to think of what else here. The Chargers are not good against the run either. So I wonder, I just wonder how much Belichick will adjust the game plan for that. Will this be the week where he orders the second pizza for his <laughs> backfield? And what about those weird Ohio pizzas that are rectangular and they cut in 94 slices? What's that? Yeah. About? Oh, is that even that's even worse than the St. Louis pizzas, which are round and cut into tiny little pieces that are smaller than the palm of your hand. What's the famous place with the weird with the f- fake cheese? Emos. Emos. Uh, In St. Louis. Yeah. Emos with an I. Yeah, I think that's the one. All right. But it's some weird. I don't even know what it is. It's 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 some it sounds like provolone, but it's the name. Someone's going to tell me on Twitter what the name of the cheese is. Because I'll, I'll, maybe I'll look it up later because now I'm curious because I had someone swear to me it was the greatest pizza ever. And then you get other people on social media going, oh, my God, this is ridiculously bad. And I don't know what to make of it. I've never had it. So is this a chain? This doesn't I mean, it looks OK. Uh, I, th- I think it's a local chain there. All right. Well, it looks it looks super thin, like a really good thin pizza is good. The cheese is called Prevel, right? That's oh. what it is. Prevel. So it's like a provolone hybrid of some kind. Um, hang on. Prevel cheese. Um, popular, it's a white processed cheese, particularly popular in St. Louis cuisine. That's a combination of cheddar, Swiss and provolone. Thank you, Wikipedia for that. That's good stuff. <laughs> we should, we should all donate $3 to Wikipedia right now because that just enriched our lives. Oh my good heavens. So yeah, if hey, anybody's got, again, Twitter at Derek Van Riper, at Helpin 37 I want to hear, tell us about Emo's pizza. Tell us what you think and about Prevel cheese, because this is fascinating to me. This right. hybrid processed cheese. Well, if Emo's is like a joke, like if it's just the regional chain or local chain that's outdone by local places, tell us which local place to go to because yeah. that's that's what I will do once I make it to St. Louis. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't been to St. Louis since 1994, but I'm, you know, maybe I'll be back sometime. 
and go have some pizza. I did go to dinner in that in the Italian. Was it the Hill? Is the Italian area? It's good. It's not. I like St. Louis. I had a good time. The, and the casino, it has casino gambling boats, so I was happy. Oh yeah, the the river boats. Yes, they're great. <laughs> All right. What do you, any, anything you can do on a boat that you could also do on land totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Absolutely. All right. Who do you want to see this weekend? Who are you curious about? Oh, let's see. What, what, what's on my my to watch list for week eight? Well, I want to see if Andy Dalton can make a layup against the Colts, because if he can't do that, then that's it. I want to see if Steve Sarkeesian starts to call plays like a man who's going to be fired if he doesn't throw the ball more to Julio Jones. He started to do it, of course, against the Patriots. If Jones didn't score in the fourth quarter, though, I can't get over this. That, that would have been a disappointing game. Yep. He scored late when the game was already out of hand. So that's that's kind of high on my on my priority list. Like, what are they really doing with Julio, with that offense? Can the Bears throw more than seven times? I don't want to watch it. I just want to know if it happens. So I guess that's not really on the what do I want to see? Uh, Raiders Bills comes up really high. What do really? the Raiders do with, with those? Yeah, because I, I, I think that game can be fun. I want to see what the Raiders do in the absence of Lynch. If one of those guys looks so good, does he kind of take on a timeshare role in future weeks? I mean, Lynch has been up and down. At times, he looks like himself. Other times, he looks like a guy that took a year off and has had accumulated a lot of wear and tear on his body. Can they, can they carve out a role? Can one of those two backs carve out a role once Lynch is back if one of them plays very well against Buffalo? That's, that's pretty interesting to me. Can Phillip Rivers do something against that Patriots defense, or did the Patriots start to fix their defense with that performance against the Falcons? I think the more we watch the Falcons, the, the story is probably more about what they cannot do and less about what their opponent has done right to stop them at this point. So, you know, the Falcons jets game could be closer than we expect. I don't want to watch that game at all. Like the Falcons, as fun as they were last year of kind of avoiding them right now, you mentioned Deshaun Watson earlier. What is he going to do against a a really good defense on the road in a hostile environment after that stretch of three road games where there were two pretty easy matchups cooked in there? Does he show us that he's going to be, one of the top quarterbacks in this league or something close to it by going in there and kind of setting the tone for the rest of the second half with he's got a smattering of other easy matchups mixed in. But as I said, that road schedule, it's going to be really tough for him. Uh, Juju Smith Schuster is, is the hype warranted? Is he going to take on the two or three targets they would have given to Martavis Bryant? We found his and bike. really Wallace so, with that. Other than that, what do we care about football? He found his bike. Oh, yeah, he got his bike back. Uh, yeah. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster is not even old enough to drive yet, is he? He's 20. He's very young. Yeah. Um, all right. So so you mentioned the those Raiders running backs. We talk about our fishbowl lineups every week. I have Washington and Richard. So I keep hoping. This is what I've been waiting for, the Lynch. Somehow the, the, the Lynch, not meltdown, but the disappearance. Somehow, we, somehow it's like someone whacks Marshawn Lynch for me in some way. So one of these guys, so I figure out which one is the guy I wound up drafting both of them, figuring that one of them was going to pan out in the second half of the season. Right on. So let's hope any, any weird ones. I, I mine are the same as last week. My weird ones in this league. I, I usually ask you what name an unusual guy in one of your lineups. I mean, I have Croft and Croft curse and Sanu in there again. I was thinking about, I picked up Deontay Thompson and I was thinking about throwing him in there. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty interesting last week. The Bills passing game is one that 
long term you don't want to trust, but I, I think you can throw against the Raiders. Teams have been able to do it so far this year. The weird player I would have to use, depending on where things are trending with Emmanuel Sanders, and I don't think as a Friday it doesn't look good, I may have to play Mike Tolbert in the fishbowl. Wow. That's terrible. Well, actually, I can, I can play Travis Benjamin. I guess I, I, I'm i trying not to get too excited about you know, a couple big plays from last week. I guess maybe you throw the dart at, at Benjamin because he's got a little more big playability than Mike Tolbert. Right. Yeah. Slight, I, slightly more. I think you're right. Mike Tolbert. Now watch Mike Tolbert get a touchdown. All right. Uh, so I have a question for you, a lineup question there. Um, I have three quarterbacks in that league. We start two. Wentz, Dalton, Alex Smith. I would be sitting Alex Smith against the Broncos. That's kind of where I was going to. So, all right, thanks. I'm glad we got my advice out of the way. All right, everybody, buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long, whether you're planning a day out with friends, searching for a last-minute deal, or buying a gift for a loved one. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's so easy to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere with just a few taps. I can find seats. It saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals and to get you the most bang for your buck. SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. And it doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available too. But back to sports. What's up with the Bucks? I, we, were, we were talking last time about Bucks Hornets and going to Bucks games. What's with the court? It looks really good. That was the, the Mecca they played at last night. The old stadium. Uh, Why did they Milwaukee. play there? Just it's it's a throwback thing that they were doing. All right, uh, they're they're tearing down the Bradley Center. I think after this year, or they're just moving to the new stadium. I don't. Maybe they're turning the Bradley Center into a skate park or something. I, I don't I don't know, but uh, it needs to be replaced. By the way, the Bradley Center is of the stadiums I've been to, the stadiums and arenas I've been to. It is the most industrial, boring, garbage venue. I've, there's no character at all. It's I, I thought progressive field was kind of like the worst ballpark I'd been to <laughs> the, the BMO Harris Bradley center is worse than progressive field in Cleveland for, for a game day environment. And I think you progress the last Field's couple the years worst in Cleveland, stadium you've been to. Yeah. I mean, wow. I went right before the Indians started to get good again. Yeah. I saw like, I saw one of Carlos Carrasco's last bad starts like three summers ago. And uh, I'm sure the last couple of years, the atmosphere has been way better. Right. But I was there for like a Saturday four o'clock game against the Tigers and realize this, though, I, I had just been to PNC two days ago. Ah. And in two days before that, I saw Homer Bailey throw a no hitter in Cincinnati. <laughs> so it was the, the timing was not great for the for the park compared to the other two I'd been to and what had happened at those parks while I was there. So. That may have skewed the perception a bit. I'm not trying to trash Cleveland because people do that all the time. And look, I'm from the Milwaukee area. People can rip Milwaukee all they want, and I'm not going to be personally offended by it. But the Bucks' new arena will be a significant improvement nonetheless. And I think the Mecca thing, uh, you know, the team was awesome back then for a while. So they want to kind of get back into the roots of the franchise for a bit. So you're lucky you never went to the Vet or to Shea Stadium. I'll tell you that right now. 
Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I, maybe did you ever go to Milwaukee County Stadium before the Brewers had Miller Park? No, I've been to Miller Park a few times, but I have not been to County. I never went to County Stadium. So Miller Park's obviously nice, one of the modern parks and everything. And they've done a nice job maintaining it, but County Stadium was a dump. Like I, I think County Stadium and Shea were probably built around the same time and probably had a lot of the same uh, qualities, if right. you will. So I yeah, I didn't go to Shea. But I think I may have experienced something similar before Miller Park. Got it. And I like you're right. I like Miller Park. I, I had a you know nice time. The times I've been there, food was good. I like you know it's it's like it's the fish out of water thing. Like for you, you know, going to eat abroad at Miller Park is probably not a big deal. And I thought it was really cool. So um, that's just a Tuesday for me. But yeah, no, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I know I know it's unique though. The, the more I've gone to other parks, you're like, oh, where's the where's the big parking lot? Where everyone's grilling out and. People are like, the parking structures are there. You can't have fire in there. <laughs> buy, buy sausage inside. Exactly. All right. Anyway, new users at SeatGeek can get $20 off their first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and a promo code ROTONFL today. That's promo code ROTONFL for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. See you live with SeatGeek. Right seat right now, right from your phone. Thanks, SeatGeek. All right. Who do you love? Who do you love? Who do you love? By that, I think the real question is, who's in your lineup? Who do you have in your DFS lineups this week? Uh, Nelson Aguilar is a guy I like on on both Fanball and FanDuel. 4,900 on Fanball. I think he's 6,000 flat on FanDuel. The Eagles are the highest projected scoring team of the week. The Niners have been so generous to receivers throughout this season. Even if you like Elshon Jeffrey, too, which I like the idea of having one, not both. Aguilar is just one of those guys that frees up some of the extra cash you would want. So he's in my, my fan ball lineup where I've got the, the three running backs that I paid up for. Uh, and I feel good about that. I think he's kind of a, like a top 12, top 15 wide receiver this week, potentially with, with six teams off. I mean, that just bumps everybody up quite a bit. See, do I, am I, I, I think I had this conversation with Tim that I'm looking at this and, and I'm, it's, this is not a, I'm not looking at it as a trap, Right. But short week, some bad injuries for the Eagles. I think it just might be tougher than I think it might be tougher for them than we think because they're playing so well. And your temptation is to look at this game and think they're just going to cruise. But it it's there's some obstacles to overcome, and they're not just they're not just mental. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's that's true. I think. What it could be, though, is it could just be a lower scoring game than people are expecting where the Eagles still win. But instead of winning 28-10, they win like 17-10 or something right. like that, where the defense plays pretty well and they have to grind it out a little longer. I, I can see that. I haven't built a lineup with Carson Wentz in it yet. And I like Carson Wentz a lot. I think the the drawback of it is. We could see the two running backs get involved. We could see a lot of LeGarrette Blunt and Wendell Smallwood if they open up a big lead. So there's a few ways that the game script can go south. Maybe they are overlooking it a little bit. I just, I, I've been on this all year, though. I think the Eagles are looking more and more like a team that can make a deep run in the playoffs. Yep, absolutely. I agree. I mean, I, I, I hope for them. I was going to say, I hope for them that the injuries don't derail them from that. But as a Giants fan, I don't really want a lot good to happen to the Eagles. So, you know. That is what it is. Um, I do like Wentz, though. Um, I love Breeze in this spot against the Bears at home. The Bears have been different on the road. I know they played well that day in, in Baltimore. But 
Um, and that was a goofy game. But I just think the Saints are going to – I really like – because you can't – they're going to have to let Trubisky do something, you know, if they're down a little bit. And I just think – and I think the Saints are going to wind up having the ball a lot because I think Trubisky might get himself in trouble. I just I re- – Breeze is my top quarterback for the week. I, I, I do like the Breeze call. I've got uh, Ingram going too yes. as a guy where if I'm not – Maybe in, in, in a lineup where I'm not using Breeze, Ingram is one of the running backs that I, I want to go after if I'm not paying up for at least one of those top options. I mean, the opportunities for him to score should be there. Uh, not hard to see a path where the Saints put four TDs on the board. If they do that, maybe Breeze gets three, but one could be Ingram on the ground. Maybe he catches a TD pass. I mean, he's got that ability too. Uh, I, I think he's very fairly priced on a bunch of sites, so the Ingram exposure is definitely there. I mentioned the Bengals, you know, I'm really interested to see what they do with Mixon. AJ Green uh, of the expensive receivers is the one I like the most. I mean, the Colts have been horrible this year against the pass. Even if Andy Dalton is just okay, not great. AJ Green should get his. And you look at what they've allowed 8.9 yards per attempt. They've allowed 40 pass plays of 20 or more yards (laughs) this season. The next closest team has only allowed 30. That is that is staggering. It like is staggering. The, the the big plays they give up are just amazing. Yep, uh, they're they're very bad. Um, we talked about Cam. We talked about the Panthers with the with the Bucks corners. So so Cam looks to be in line for a nice day. Um, Latavius Murray, the workload's there, right? I know you said we talked about the Browns haven't been better against the run in the past. Garrett's not there. Um, this could be a. This, the game script anyway could go Latavius Murray's way. You've kind of got the Admiral Akbar feeling about the Eagles matching up against the Niners. I kind of have it about Latavius Murray against the Browns. Like, I think we all know what Latavius Murray really is. And I know we all saw that highlight where he looked really explosive last week and scored. I, I, I don't want to be poisoned by what I saw on that one play last week. I don't want to fall into that trap. Um, so I would take the enthusiasm with Murray and for me, I'm pushing it more at Jarek McKinnon. Okay. I really like the Star Wars reference, by the way. That was good. So, nice job. That's why they pay me the big bucks. I know. That's great stuff. Um, CJ Anderson against the Chiefs? Could you? Would you Would you like to? I guess is what I want to uh, ask. I've, I've been... So I think I've mentioned CJ Anderson at least once or twice in the last month or so as a guy that I've liked because the price has been down. I feel like the line should be good enough to open up some holes. I, I kind of like him as a player when he's healthy, and he just hasn't come through for me. The, the Chiefs are not good against the run. 4.7 yards per carry allowed this season, six rushing scores. That seems like a good spot right. for C.J. Anderson. And if, if, you, if you're the Broncos, your game plan to not have Trevor Simeon ruin this game for you has to be to establish the run and to do well in that phase really limit the number of third and longs you get into. So I think they can take advantage of, of Kansas City uh, and actually go ahead and, and have a productive game. Where I'm worried about C.J. Anderson is stupid narrative stuff where Jamal Charles you know, runs with a little more burst against his former team. Like He, he had such a great run there. It's, it's probably not like the full betrayal-style revenge game, but... <laughs> I'm sure it feels pretty bad to suffer devastating injuries, come back and have that team finally give up on you. So, you know, he'll probably have a little chip on his shoulder, those first few carries. And do you see a path where if Charles gets hot in that game on Monday night, 
where Anderson's workload comes out smaller than we would typically expect? Uh, I think if it, I I think if the Chiefs are winning, then perhaps. But other than that, no. I think Charles gets his. I mean, sorry. I mean, I think, I think CJ gets his. Okay, because that that's the kind of matchup though that from a just an at a glance standpoint, I don't think people when we think of weaker run defenses that teams have run well against, that's not one that comes to mind. And the other one that is surprising is Pittsburgh giving up four point seven yards per carry as well. Right. You know, I, I don't ever think of Amir Abdullah as a player that I want to use, but is there some tournament appeal with Abdullah this week? I, I think there might be. I'm wondering if he's going to use theoretic a little more because they were talking about him a little bit earlier in the week. So I don't know, but I, I hear what you're saying. I think that matchup wise, that's, that's an interesting one for Abdullah. Um, speaking of Detroit, do, does the, does the Tate news scare you away from Marvin Jones at all? I think the Golden Tate presence on the field could be good because it draws some attention from Joe Hayden potentially. Yeah. So the matchups could be a little more favorable for Jones if that happens. I would still, the hardest thing about that game is it being Sunday night and you, know, you, you can't really pivot off of Marvin Jones or to Marvin Jones very easily that late in the day with late swap. So I'm probably staying away from a DFS standpoint. I'm trying to figure out what Pittsburgh's pass defense is really like. Are they going to be good, very good when it's all said and done this year? Where are they really going to grade out? I mean, so far, uh, things have looked pretty strong for them. I think they're tied with Seattle for the best YPA allowed, 5.6 yards per attempt right. on really the season. Mm-hmm. Lions had an extra week to prepare, so maybe that offsets it a little bit. But the Steelers are shaping up to be really strong against the pass. Yes, they absolutely are. Um, my man, Jack Doyle, I'm in, I'm all the way in with Jack Doyle. He's my, what tight end? Let me, where's he ranked? 10th. I think I got him 10th. Yep. I'm, I'm good with him. That guy, he's got 13 catches in the last two weeks. Why don't people like him? <laughs> Cause his name is Jack Doyle. Cause he plays for the Colts. Probably, probably. The, main, the main reason. No, he's getting plenty of work and I think that could be uh, garbage time central yeah. right there where he's getting a lot of looks as they try to play catch up throughout the second half. I kind of like Tyler Croft. I mean, I mentioned before that AJ yeah. green is the elite receiver. I'd like to pay up for if for whatever reason I can't afford it. And I don't want to go to the running game because I'm not sure about the Mixon Bernard Hill split. Tyler Croft is cheap and tight end. It's not terrible this week, but because the Rudolph game is not part of the main slate, Rudolph against the Browns would have been popular for me. The Croft looks like one of the cheaper tight ends that I would actually use since I think he's the next read for Andy Dalton after AJ Green in the red zone. I think that's fair. And he's been busy enough for, for his, for his cost. He's been busy enough um, for everybody. All right. Listeners to our podcast, get a free 10 day RotoWire trial, rotowire.com slash pod, no credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out now. Rotowire.com slash pod. Um, so we've got Tim's fa- Facebook Q&A on Sunday at noon Eastern. What else we got this weekend? Are you doing any radio? No, I, I got tomorrow. I got Saturday off. Nice. So fortunately, I will be watching college football and, you know, doing random stuff around the house, getting ready for Sunday. Probably, probably getting some food ready. I haven't had a big Sunday blowout food-wise yet. It's been uh, 
a weird year. Had a few a few Sundays where I had to go out and do some things, and that kind of limited the pregame prep time. So maybe this will be the week where I finally get a big pot of chili going because nice. it's cool. It's cooling off here. It's like almost winter now. It, it, it changed quickly. So beans, the, beans or no beans? I, I'll, I'll, I'll eat the beans and the chili. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't mind. I mean, I. I you know, I, I do like Cincinnati chili though, and that's that's kind of a, a controversial take for some people because they think it's not chili at all. And um, I'll I'll put as much stuff on there as you know I, I'm allowed to. I, I think the more the merrier with the ingredients. I, I like the Cincinnati chili too. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's chili, but it, it's a different take on it. But I like, I, for instance, I, I'm a, I, I grew up in New York and I'm a pizza snob and, you know, I like deep dish pizza. I just kind of go, I don't know if it's pizza, but I like it. It's more of, you know, it's a casserole. It's a casserole. Exactly. <laughs> it's the casserole that has pizzas. It's a pizza casserole. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not hating on it. The thing I don't like about the deep dish is it takes forever. I've never made it. No, I mean, just going out for it, though, like, it it cooks for a long time because it's such a huge pan yeah. and everything. So that's that's one deterrent right off the top. But the, yeah, the is it chili or is it OK to put ketchup on a hot dog? Like all, all the great food debates of Twitter from the last 10 years. I feel like I've been on the wrong side of all of them <laughs> based on the, how the how the votes go. Yeah. And I I think people do stupid things with food and I will criticize them for it. But at the end of the day, do what you want with your food. If you want to put ketchup on a hot dog, put ketchup on a hot dog. Right. So I do Whether you do it in Chicago or not, you know, that's your choice. But you, you don't need ketchup on a Chicago dog because there's like a hundred things on there. Right. What are there? Peppers and onions and all that stuff? Yeah, those those sport peppers. Those are good. And then the the, the fluorescent relish that goes on. And of course, you get the seeded bun. The mustard, the onions, all, all that stuff. And I think a, a pickle spear gets thrown in there. That's a lot. It's good stuff. It, it, it has like a completely different flavor profile than a hot dog you'd have at a cookout where you throw, you know, the usual condiments on there. All right. Well, enjoy everybody. Enjoy your football feast this weekend, whether it's dogs or chili or whatever. I don't think I'm going to have one this weekend. We got something to do Sunday. I got to do that too. Chili on or, you know, cook meatballs for something like that. I don't know what. I gotta figure this out. It's been same, same with me. Same with you. It's been a weird season that I haven't just you know fired something up and let it cook all day and let the house smell of it. I need to do that. Do you have a smoker in your backyard? I do have a green egg. So okay, you got you got that going. So if you could smoke a brisket or something back there, I know. Uh, maybe next week. Next week? Yeah, maybe next week. I like. I've done. I got the the green egg for Christmas last year. I haven't used it nearly enough. And um, I've done pork butts, but not a brisket. So nice. I got to do that. And I got to tell you, cooking a steak on that thing is the easiest thing in the history of the universe. It comes out good pretty much every time. Yeah. Well, what happens is I was looking up how to do it because I've always had trouble. Like, I like to cook. And I've always, the one thing I've always had trouble with is steaks because I can never tell if they're done. Like it's just a thing that I've never f- quite figured out. And maybe I just haven't spent the time to do it. So on the, I looked up how to do it when I got the green egg and, and you get the green, I mean, the green egg acts as a smoker or you can get it up to 700 degrees pretty easily. So I was watching some videos one day and this guy was, you know, like, you know, got steaks. He said, all right, just get it up to 700, cook it on one side, turn it over, cook it on the other, then choke off the oxygen four more minutes and you're done. And it was a perfect medium rare. It was dummy proof. That sounds pretty great. I know. I liked it. It was great. It was awesome. 
There's no think. And, you know, 700 degrees, there you go. There's your sear. You can't get better than that. So, well, yeah. once I take down a, a GPP or two, a big GPP or two, the, uh, the big green egg will be high on the, uh, the purchase list. It's, it's pretty cool. I, of course, it, it was my gift for, I think, birth, Christmas, birthday, Father's Day. You know, it, it kind of stretched itself out quite a bit. That's still pretty great, though. I, I, I'd rather have one big gift than four smaller ones. Yes. And I, like I said, I don't use it enough, and I need to fix that. You can make pizza on it, too, but I haven't done that. I have a pizza a stone for it, and I haven't used it yet. I, how, how you have the restraint to not just throw a large piece of meat on there on a weekly basis is beyond me. Because it takes it, – there's a little bit of work involved. Now, I know there are people out there listening who have green eggs, and they're going, oh, it's not hard. And probably right. I just haven't, I don't, ha- I haven't had enough reps with it yet. And what will happen is I'll do a, I'll do a pork butt and I'll start at five in the morning and, you know, something, and I'll lose temperature. The temperature will dip from, you know, if I'm doing 225, then I'll go to 205. I'm like, why did this happen? And I find myself checking the thing all day. So it's, it's a little bit, and I'm still a little intimidated by it. I have to confess. <laughs> so, well, I, I hope the next attempt Next weekend goes well for you. That sounds good. All right, everybody. That's enough food talk. We'll, we'll, we'll do a food podcast next week instead of football. Everybody, keep the reviews and ratings coming. We really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Our next episode is going to be Monday. Derek and I will check back in and recap all of Sunday's action. So uh, come on and listen. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. Good luck in week eight.